You're listening to Hope for Today Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining in this virtual space. We believe that as you listen, Jesus will minister to you right where you are. So open up your mind and your heart to what the Word would say to you today. Thank you for joining us. And remember, Jesus is our hope for today. And uh, this afternoon, I want to talk to you about the spiritual gift of prophecy, okay? And the gift of prophecy, there's uh, different frameworks regarding this. People are in different camps and such. No matter where you land on this gift, this ministry, this uh, activity of prophecy, if you will, it's my desire that today we will pursue the love of God at the very most, that we'll pursue his love for us and, and that we'd also would pursue the spiritual gifts that the Spirit of God has for us. So pursue the love of God and the spiritual gifts. And so for sake of a title, if you're taking notes, I know a few of you do the titles this, the gifts are not for sale. The spiritual gift of prophecy is not for sale. We live in a world where everything's for sale for the right price. But when you look in scripture, the spiritual gifts are not for sale. And they're a gift given to us by the Holy Spirit. How many of you like gifts? Come on, we all enjoy getting gifts, especially when it's free. And you didn't have to work for it in order to receive it. That's the best kind of gift, isn't it? So I'm going to invite you to turn to 1 Corinthians 14, starting right in verse 1. It says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, and especially that you may prophesy... For the person who speaks in another tongue is not speaking to people, but to God. Since no one understands him, he speaks mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the person who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and consolation. The person who speaks in another tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. I wish all of you spoke in other tongues, but even more that you prophesied. The person who prophesies is greater than the person who speaks in tongues unless he interprets so that the church may be built up. So now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you speaking in other tongues, how will I benefit you unless I speak to you with a revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? Even lifeless instruments that produce sounds, whether flute or harp, if they don't make a distinction in the notes, how will what is played on the flute or the harp be recognized? In fact, if the bugle makes an unclear sound, who will prepare for battle? In the same way, unless you use your tongue for intelligible speech, you use your tongue for intelligible speech, how will what is spoken be known? For you'll be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different kinds of languages in the world. None is without meaning. Therefore, I do not know the meaning of language. I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker will be a foreigner to me. So also, you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, seek to excel in building up the church. Therefore, the person who speaks in other tongues should pray that he can interpret for if I pray in another tongue, my spirit prays, but it, my understanding is unfruitful. What then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will also pray with my understanding. I will also sing praise with the spirit, and I also sing praise with my understanding. Otherwise, if you praise with the spirit, how will the outsider say amen at your giving of thanks, since he does not know what you are saying? 
For you may very well be giving thanks, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God I speak in other tongues more than all of you, yet in the church I would rather speak five words with understanding in order to teach others also than 10,000 words in another tongue. And in verse 24, but if all of you are prophesying and some unbeliever or outsider comes in, he is convicted by all and is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart will be revealed, and as a result, he will fall face down and worship God, proclaiming, God is really among you. What then, brothers and sisters, whenever you come together, each one has a hymn, a teaching, a revelation, another tongue, or an interpretation. Everything is to be done for building up. There's a commonality here, isn't there? A building up. The gifts are for the purpose of building up. You know, as Christians, as we listen to these words penned by the Apostle Paul, we can see here clearly that we're called to use these gifts that the Holy Spirit has given us to serve one another and to glorify God in the process. Actually, in 1 Corinthians 12, 10, the Apostle Paul mentions prophecy as one of the important or greater gifts, just as he says in chapter 14. And his instruction on the discourse of the spiritual gifts that were written some 27 years after the day of Pentecost. If you can wrap your mind around this, this wasn't just a few days or a few hours after the Holy Spirit had been poured out. These are more than 27 years later. And so he's describing that these gifts are for today. Now he shows us, he directs that our focus, that as we seek after these gifts, our zealousness, he says, should be to build one another up. That this building up should flow the love we have for God and for one another. And what I can appreciate about what Paul, so Paul is saying here in you know, other terms is our focus is not supposed to be about what gives us the bigger press. What maybe is given the limelight, so to speak. You know, in the church, for whatever reason, the day in which we live, titles are the big thing again. You know, I'm an apostle and I'm a prophet. Those are the two big titles right now. And I'm not here to harp on whether those offices are in activation, but just saying it's not about the titles. And yet, a lot of times they get the bigger press. You go any place and, you know, if a person can give a prophetic word, I mean, hands down, it's like, oh, we... We better listen. And it's important to listen because you're going to be built up. But sometimes we can easily put the people operating those gifts on a pedestal. And we can see where that can get us. Here Paul is showing us we need to articulate and, and employ these gifts from the right foundation. We all desire to contribute and to be helpful in the church. I don't think anyone here came here today to just be a spectator. You hear this all the time. Church is not about spectating. It's about serving and being involved. Paul's saying here, guess what, guys? Pursue love and the spiritual gifts. All of you are important. All of you matter. You all have a part to play. And he says in verse 26, whenever you come together, each one, he doesn't say just the key leaders in the front row, or maybe they sit in the back, wherever they sit, but he's saying, no, each of you have a teaching, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. And everything is to be done for building up. And so as we go a little deeper and a little further into this gift of prophecy, there's a few housekeeping matters. When we look at the spiritual gifts, Paul tells us in verse 12 a few key things. Remember these few points. 
The Holy Spirit is active in all the gifts, the point person in the distribution of those gifts, and everyone has a gift. I can't begin to tell you how many times I've heard two things. I don't need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I don't need or require a gift. This is the lavish love of God through his spirit to bestow these gifts to build up the church. He says in verse 4 of chapter 12, Now there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God works all of them in each person. And a manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. And if that's not enough, in verse 11, he makes it really tidy for us. He says, this is the one and same Spirit who's active in all of these, distributing to each person as he wills. This is the agency of the Holy Spirit. And so as I said earlier, these gifts are not for sale or to the highest bidder. You know, I've been in places where, you know, it seemed to appear at times, and I might be, you know, often a little bit of word of a critique here, a little bit of re reproof, but I have been in some places where you can sense and tell when it's not a genuine move of the Holy Spirit. In fact, where the people paid the most, uh, you know, price for the best seats in the house, it seemed to be the speaker focused on the people in those seats. But the gifts are not for sale no matter how much you pay for. When you go to a place, you go to a seminar. Again, I'm not harping that seminars. seminars are a bad thing. But this does happen. We're imperfect people. Let's turn to Acts chapter 8 for a moment. Acts chapter 8. In Acts chapter 8, there's a great practical illustration here. That'll be helpful for us today. Looking at this, that the spiritual gifts are not for sale. Acts 8, starting in verse 9. It says, A man named Simon had previously practiced sorcery in the city and amazed the Sumerians and people while claiming to be somebody great. They all paid attention to him, from the least of them to the greatest, and they said, This man is called the great power of God. They were tempted to him because he had amazed them with their sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Even Simon himself believed. And after he was baptized, he followed Philip everywhere and was amazed as he observed the signs and great miracles that were being performed. And when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. And after they went down there, they prayed for them so the Samaritans might receive the Holy Spirit, because he had not yet come down on any of them. Then Peter and John laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw the Spirit was given through the laying on of hands of the apostles, he offered them money saying, give me this power also so that anyone I lay hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. And you can appreciate, you can look at this and say, well, his intentions are good. He wants everyone to receive the Holy Spirit. But look what Peter says. But Peter told him, may your silver be destroyed with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this matter because your heart is not right before God. Here he's, he's, he's very clearly showing this is a heart issue. 
Therefore, repent of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that if possible, your heart's intent may be forgiven. For I see you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by wickedness. I mean, where could this be coming from? Well, we see the beginning of the passage that Simon was the man's man. He was the guy in town. People were looking to him as operating under the great power of God. But now the true real power had entered into the city and he was bitter. And he thought, I have an idea. I'm gonna, I'm gonna join the ranks. It appears here that he's more of a faker than a true believer. And he thinks he can buy the Holy Spirit. And so look at his response to Peter. Simon says, pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. And so we see here that the motivations of Simon's heart, they've been brought to question by Peter. Peter's called out his action. He's called it poison and, and wickedness. And this rattled Simon. I mean, if you were in Simon's shoes, I think this would rattle you too. This would surely rattle me and, and cause a, us to rethink, well, what's, what's, the, what's the motive of my heart in all of this? And so here, Peter gives them this important message of reproof. And that's a lot of the so times the same thing with prophecy. It's a matter of encouragement, but also seasoned with reproof that leads to repentance. And it's all a natural part of following Jesus. And so here in this story, Simon didn't do as Peter instructed him. What's he say? He says, you know, pray to God. Pray to the Lord. For I see that you're poisoned by bitterness and bound by wickedness. But his response is, you pray for me. You pray for me. You pray for me. You know, Perhaps Simon was still green in the faith. We've all been there. We all need grace. We've, you know, we've all been on this path of learning and growing, but I don't believe, I believe the author Luke here in Acts is showing us this is not the case. And now only God knows for certain the genuineness of Simon's heart and, and his conversion. But nonetheless, we can see here very clearly the Holy Spirit and how he descends is not for sale. It's not for sale. Nothing is new under the sun, as my father-in-law likes to remind me. Nothing is new under the sun. People have tried and tried and tried again to buy the favor of God. You look at the ward shows, and people will stand up and say, like, look at everything I've done. They'll applaud to one another. In many, in many respects, trying to buy even the favor of God and, and bring up his name as they would accept a ward and such, and not saying that these people's hearts are not in the right place, but you can tell as they use flattery. And flattery is defined as this, insincere praise given especially to further one's own interests. Insincere praise given especially to further one's own interests. Here we can see Simon was about his own interests. He thought he could buy the power. But we can't fool God. And as the Holy Spirit descends and comes upon us and leads us and gives us a word, here Peter was given a word. He knew the matter of Simon's hearts and gave him a word of instruction to set him on the right path. Simon, repent. Pray to the Lord. And as I was reading through this passage, as I write notes, as each of you do and look at some practical applications, the way this hit home for me and I believe this is a word for all of us collectively, is that no keynote speaker 
at any seminar or even this place, not even I have the authority to determine or distribute any spiritual gift of the Holy Spirit. Doesn't mean that we stop desiring the gifts, but it's all about the matter of our heart. What's the pursuit of that gift? If you want to operate in the area of words of knowledge, and as we're talking about here, prophecy, what's the motive behind it? It should be, I desire to build up the church, to see people encouraged and consoled in their faith. Not a badge on the shoulder, you know, see me, notice me, don't you want to know me? God speaks with me. (laughs) None of the gifts are for sale. And so as the Apostle Paul gets here in chapter 14, he's showing us when he says, pursue love and the spiritual gifts, and especially that you may prophesy, you can see here that this discourse on the gifts is affirming that all the gifts are for all believers. You'll notice here he didn't say this is only for the apostles, this is only for the early church. But the gifts are for today, he says, pursue both. Think about for a moment before we continue. If the gifts, especially the miraculous, whether it's apostleship, tongues, prophecy, miracles, healing, if they were reserved only for the apostles and members of the early church, then what about love? When he says pursue love and the spiritual gifts, what about love? You know, we know that love, as the Apostle Paul and John would would tell us, that love is the spiritual makeup of every Christ follower. That's part of your DNA. And love is the vehicle of delivery for the spiritual gifts in action. That's chapter 13. And if we're told in 1 John 4, 7, anyone who loves has been born of God and knows God because God is love, then we have the valid question in mind, is the pursuit of love also only for the apostles? Is it only for them to step in the gap for their neighbor? Was it only for them to risk their life for the sake of the gospel? Is that, or is that for all of us? Here, I believe the Apostle Paul is showing us how can we possibly live out this love? How is it even remotely possible? By the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in each of our lives. That's how it's possible. And together, as we walk in harmony with God's Spirit, we see all around us, the evidence as we sing is all around us. The church grows as these gifts are in activation, especially when they're employed in love. And so here in chapter 14, verse 1, Paul unapologetically exhorts the church of which we belong to pursue love and the spiritual gifts. Hey there, welcome back. Uh, During our live broadcast, the audio for online was uh, accidentally muted. And so we want to pick up right where we left off for you who are watching here uh, virtually. The Apostle Paul, regarding the spiritual gift of prophecy, tells us in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, he says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts and especially that you may prophesy. And this is important because for us, this is given to us in scripture that is the foundation for our very faith. We call intelligible revelation that we now cherish as part of the apostolic foundation given to the church as part of the canon of scripture that we now enjoy and we formulate our faith around. And so light of his exhortation to the church, which resonates to us today, 
When he says, pursue love and spiritual gifts, and especially that you may prophesy, prophesy, is that not also for us? And so here we want to look at what is prophecy and how does it manifest in the church? According to scripture, prophecy is a verbal manifestation of the spirit. It's an important revelatory gift where a believer such as yourself, if you believe in Jesus, the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 12, that no one can confess Christ except by the spirit of the Lord. And so by the spirit of the Lord, the manifestation of the spirit and the gifts are given to each person. And so prophecy is one of those gifts. And when you prophesy, as you're empowered by the Holy Spirit, you communicate the will of God to his people to guide and direct them in their walk with the Lord. In Corinthians 14.3, Paul describes prophecy as this gift intended for building up, building up the church of encouragement, consolation, and hope. It's not meant to to tear down or be a, a doom and gloom type of message, but it's meant to reorientate our steps even for action as we walk in obedience before the Lord. And so point number one is prophecy offers instructional guidance so all may learn and be encouraged. You know, there's many things that we give ourselves to in life and we learn a lot of things along the way. We give our time to learning and growing and that's the same thing with faith in Jesus. His Holy Spirit continues to teach us and teach us through one another. The Bible says as iron sharpens iron, so we sharpen one another and prophecy is one of those tools. Now, prophecy is not focused on making you feel good. It's not about that. I'm sorry. Instead, it's speaking the truth of God's word over our life, speaking, infusing our spirit with the spirit of the living God, which helps us grow in faith and become more like Jesus. If you believe in Jesus, don't you want to become more like him? walking like Christ walked on this earth. And so prophecy is one of those tools and a verbal declaration that can feature two forms, foretelling and foretelling. You know, four is not to be confused with golf when you, you know, you strike the ball and, oh, it might hit somebody along the way. Four! But foretelling and foretelling are important pieces of prophesying. Foretelling is describing a future event, whereas foretelling is sharing a timely message over a person, a word in season, in due season, that's always in harmony with scripture, which is also referred to as a rhema word or word of knowledge. And so both help guide and orientate our steps. And so those who are empowered by the Holy Spirit to prophesy are not necessarily necessarily prophets in the sense that they always predict the future, but they are people who have the special ability as the Spirit empowers them to speak what they hear from the Lord over a person's life, to communicate his his words to others. And so... In scripture, we're shown some practical examples of what this looks like in function. Agabus was a prophet in the New Testament church. In Acts 11, we're told during the reign of Emperor Claudius, Agabus was in function along with other prophets. 
and he visited the church in Antioch. And it's important to notice before we go to that scripture that it says that other prophets, Agabus and other prophets, Agabus wasn't the last prophet, nor was Paul. There were other prophets engaging in the activity of prophecy. And so while Agabus was there in the church of Antioch, he was empowered by the Holy Spirit and he predicted a famine that would come over the whole Roman world. Just imagine that, a famine that would touch the far-reaching towns and regions of the Roman Empire. And this caused the church to direct themselves to this matter. Again, prophecy orientates or reorientates our steps. And so they focused themselves to gathering aid to send to the Judean church with Barnabas and Saul. And so we can see as we turn to the scripture in just a moment, prophecy helps direct our steps and our focus of service. If you're taking notes, prophecy helps direct our focus of service. Acts 11, 27 says, in those days, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and predicted by the Spirit that there would be a severe famine throughout the Roman world. This took place during the reign of Claudius. Each of the disciples, according to his own ability, determined to send relief to the brothers and sisters who lived in Judea. Isn't that amazing? Based on this prophetic word that was given, they determined to send relief to their brothers and sisters who lived in Judea, the Judean church. They were resolved to do and respond to the word that they had received. We all receive words over our life, even course corrections at different times and places in our life. And then we see later on in Acts 21, verse 10 to 12, Agabus goes on to warn Paul at Caesarea of the imprisonment and suffering that awaited him in Jerusalem. Now, this wasn't meant to dissuade Paul from the mission that Jesus Christ himself gave to him on the road to Damascus, but what rather was a confirming word of that which all that the Lord called him to was not in vain, that it was purposeful and important. In Acts 21, here, Agabus used symbols to describe what would happen to Paul. It says in verse 10, after we had been there for several days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. He came to us, took Paul's belt, tied it around his feet and hands and said, this is what the Holy Spirit says. And just think about how important it is whenever you hear a person in the Lord, as the Spirit gives utterance, says, this is what the Holy Spirit says, we should be quick to listen and slow to speak. He says, in this way, the Jews in Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, both we and the local people pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. And so there's two type of ways you can respond to prophecy, with dread or with action. Paul was not dissuaded. You know, his followers, his in-crowd pleaded with him not to go to Jerusalem, but he knew the mission before him. Paul was not shaken in his resolve before the Lord. He knew again, he knew what the Lord was calling him to. He knew what the Lord was calling him to. We're told in Acts 28, 16, that when he entered Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with the soldier who guarded him. After three days, he called together the leaders of the Jews. When they had gathered, he said to them, brothers, 
Although I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our ancestors, I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. In 2 Timothy 2.9, For which I suffered to the point of being bound like a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. This is why I endure all things for the elect, so they may also obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The work that we do for Jesus Christ, as Paul told even young Timothy, is never in vain. It has a purpose. He says the purpose, why I endure these things, why I'm in chains, you know, why I've gone to Rome and to the ends of the earth, if you will, so that those, the elect, they may obtain salvation. Prophecy declares the truth of God's will and purpose for our life. Paul knew that the Roman system, the roads that which were employed would be the greatest availability for the gospel to go forth. And he saw it as an opportunity. He was encouraged in it that the Lord was speaking over him, meaning the Lord was with him and encouraged us, us also to keep the faith. And so we learn and are encouraged through prophecy. Point number two, one of the key characteristics of prophecy is that it is always in line with God's word. Don't forget that. Prophecy is always in line with God's word. What I mean by that is a true prophetic word from the spirit of God when it's delivered is not something that comes from the human mind or imagination. At the end of the day, we've been given incredible creative minds and we can discern whether something is of our own imagination or the spirit of God if it lines up and is in conformity with the scripture and what the scripture says over us and how we're to live holy, righteous, and upright lives before our living God. And we're told by Peter, who knew a lot about this, Second Peter 1.20, above all, you know this, no prophecy of scripture comes from the prophet's own interpretation because no prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. You have to appreciate, carried along by the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit's in it, it is a genuine message that'll resonate with our hearts and draw us closer to the Lord. But if it's dissuading us from our walk with the Lord, if it's counter to scripture, then we know that message is not from the Spirit of God. It's not from the Holy Spirit. And so we stress here the word holy and Holy Spirit. No prophetic word will ever be contrary to the scripture. Will never be contrary to the character of God. It will never be chaotic or create chaos. It will never go against his word over us as revealed in scripture. And so Paul tells the believers in Ephesus in chapter 218, he says, for through him, Christ, we both have access in one spirit to the father. So then you were no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household build on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the cornerstone. And the reason why I use this verse is to emphasize for us this very point, this foundation is Jesus Christ himself. There can be no other cornerstone. If any prophetic word is establishing itself up against the word of Christ and how he's spoken over us and the commandments we've given, he's given us, we are to not listen to those voices. 
A lot of times this even creeps in the church where an affirming practice has come in, affirming the things that have not been affirmed in the word of God. In fact, they're contrary to the very life, the type of life that we're called to live in Jesus Christ. You know, sexual immorality and other different lifestyle choices that do not honor the Lord. And that's because point number three, purpose of prophecy is to turn our hearts to Jesus in worshipful obedience. The purpose of prophecy is to turn our hearts to Jesus in worshipful obedience. You know, sometimes this word obedience can be a dirty word perhaps to the world, but not to the church, not to those of you who are in Christ. Obedience, worshipful obedience before our Lord, the creator of the heaven and the earth, that's a good thing. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commands. Obedience is the mark of the man. It's essential in our relationship with God because it involves this, the surrendering of our will to his and following his commands. It's not complicated. Obedience demonstrates love and trust in God, and with it brings blessing. If you love me, you will keep my commands, Jesus says. And so this prophetic utterance by the the work of the Holy Spirit in our life, that activity of that prophetic word that comes forth, it'll always be in line with Scripture. It'll be working and active to align our hearts in worshipful obedience before Christ. And so a prophetic message will not only disclose what is unknown and perhaps even surprising, that's what revelation is, to disclose what is hidden, even that which is unknown, but it can also mean disclosing what one desires to keep hidden, disclosing what one desires to keep hidden. No, we've all been there. There's been things that we're not proud of, things that have come up in our life and we, we hide it under a rug, so to speak, and, and we hope that no one is aware of it. But by the spirit of God, the prophetic word is able to speak into those dark places, is able to speak to that which is hidden. And so if you come before the Lord and desiring a blessing from him, maybe over relationship, maybe over your business, or maybe even over your ministry, but in order for God to bless you, he's not going to bless you when you're acting and carrying on in a way that's contrary to his word and his holiness. And so a prophetic word can speak in to your your own life and, and share with you that your relationship's not honoring of the Lord, that perhaps your business dealings are not honoring the Lord and so forth. There's this example my colleague shared with me once uh, regarding the prophecy and the word of the Lord is there was this young couple that, you know, came to him and, and uh, we're talking about, you know, their, their marriage and, you know, in this gathering, the woman believed that they were to leave their spouse and go and be joined with another, this other man in this gathering that was not her husband. And she believed she had heard a word from the Lord while he was sharing and, and teaching. And so we just said to them, do you really believe that's of the Lord and that the Holy Spirit would speak that over you? Because the word of God says what, what God has joined together in marriage, let no one separate well, who have become one flesh, don't separate what God has joined together. That couldn't be the spirit of the Lord. We know the enemy of our souls desires to oppress us. 
and confuse us and to get us off course. This would be taking us off course. And I'm not speaking to, you know, situations and, and marriages that are, are, are violent and it's unhealthy or um, dangerous for you to remain in that relationship. I'm not speaking. I'm saying in this context, the Lord is not going to speak to you and tell you to leave your marriage to go be joined with another because you're unhappy. The goal of a prophetic word, even that of blessing, will always fall in unity and harmony with the word of scripture and what it says over us is goodwill and purpose for our lives. And so a prophetic word spoken over us is intended to help us to live in obedience to God's will for us. These authoritative words by way of, of prophecy are inspired by the Holy Spirit and will always be in conformity with the foundation of scripture. Paul told Timothy, one of the leaders in the early church, this, if anyone teaches false doctrine and does not agree with the sound teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ and with the teaching that promotes godliness, he is conceited and understands nothing, but has an unhealthy interest in disputes and arguments over words. For these come envy, quarreling, slander, evil suspicions, and constant disagreement among people whose minds are depraved and deprived of the truth, who imagine that godliness is a material way of gain. That godliness is a way to material gain. It shows right here, a depraved and deprived mind of the truth will seek to affirm things that are not found or affirmed in the word of God. It's that clear. And so scripture reorientates our thought life and it checks the status of our heart like that of Simon where Peter addressed Simon who thought he could buy the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Peter also writes in 2 Peter 2, 1 says, there were indeed false prophets among the people just as there will be false teachers among you. They will bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them and will bring swift destruction on them Selves. The beautiful thing here is that God cannot be fooled. The Bible says that God be true and every man a liar. God will not be fooled. And point number four, prophecy encourages everyone with revelation of God's true activity. A revelation of God's true activity. We're told in 1 Corinthians 14, 24 to 25, and this is the Apostle Paul who says, but if all are prophesying and some unbeliever or outsider comes in, he is convicted by all and is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart will be revealed. And as a result, he will fall face down and worship God, proclaiming God is really among you. God is really among you. Prophecy aligns our hearts with the heart of Jesus turns us to worshipful obedience to align our life with his because Christ in us is the hope of glory. So prophecy, clearly Paul is showing us when it's operating from this foundation of love, the spiritual makeup that makes us believers, prophecy is the greater gift because it casts this wide net of intelligible teaching revelation, a timely word in all seasons that offer the most beneficial impact for our life and witness. And also offers an opportunity for us to turn to the Lord if we've fallen astray or have started going down the wrong path. And it's never too late. I'm telling you right now, it's never too late 
to turn to the Lord in repentance. Just like with Simon, Peter tells Simon, you know, repent. Repent. If possible, your heart's intention may be forgiven, for I see you're poisoned by bitterness and bound by wickedness. But again, remember, Simon said, will you pray for me? Simon replied, said nothing you have said may happen to me. The beautiful thing with free will is we have a choice to align our hearts with Christ and what he says about us and what he says over us and what he calls us to. And so Peter, who knew Jesus very intimately, again, he was restored when he had fallen himself. He says, what kind of lives are we to live in these last days? He says to live upright, holy, godly lives. And so prophecy helps reorientate us so that we are walking the way that we are to walk. And it's in conformity with scripture, both foretelling times and events in the future, but also foretelling a timely word in season, a rhema word that will encourage your spirit, encourage you to keep on keeping on in their faith in the Lord. And no matter where you rest on this gift of prophecy, I want to encourage you with Acts chapter two, verse 14 to 18. In verses 14 to 18, the apostle um, Peter tells us very clearly that prophecy is for today because we're living in the last days. In Acts chapter two, verse 17, he says, and it will be in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all people. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. I will even pour out my spirit on my servants in those days, both men and women, and they will prophesy. Look at that. My servants in those days, both men and women, and they will prophesy. And this shows us that Paul and Peter are in agreement that which of the, the prophetic word, the Holy Spirit would be poured out. That means that today, this work and activity, the Holy Spirit continues to manifest at full capacity within the church. And within you, as you believe in Jesus, the manifestation, as the scripture says, is given to each one of us for the purpose of what is beneficial to build up the church and also to empower us in our witness, declaring freedom in Christ, freedom in Christ. And so I encourage you here today, don't disregard the spiritual gift of prophecy, but remember his true purpose to align our hearts with the heart of Jesus to turn to him in worshipful obedience. And most assuredly, it's not something that is supposed to be dissuaded or cast aside because the apostle Paul says in, in his discourse on the spiritual gift of prophecy and the gifts in, the, in themselves, he says in Corinthians 14, verse 37, if anyone thinks he is a prophet or spiritual, he should recognize that what I write to you is the Lord's command. If anyone ignores this, he will be ignored. So then, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forgive, forbid speaking in tongues, but everything is to be done decently and in order. Do not forbid prophecy or speaking in tongues, for everything is to be done decently and in order. And before that, in verse 37, he says, what I write to you is the Lord's command. This is what has been taught him. Spirit taught words by the Holy Spirit. The Lord's command. This wasn't just something that Paul said and, and wrote on a whim, but it was writing for the, the entirety of the church, the early church, and for us today. 
because we have the canon of scripture, this intelligible revelation of which we can found our life and faith upon. And so when he says, this is the Lord's command, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, then we should be eager to do those things, to prophesy and to not shut down prophecy or speaking in tongues. And so the apostle Paul, as we began this message, he said, pursue love and the spiritual gifts and that you may prophesy, that you may prophesy. And so no matter where you land on this or as current operation in the church today, I encourage you here right now to be open and receptive to the spirit of the Lord in your life, to say, come Holy Spirit, distribute the gifts as you so will to be activated and used in my life. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it speaks to us here today. It reaches and infuses with our spirit so that our spirit man would be aligned with yours. Thank you, Lord, that we've become a being from the heart because we have faith in you. We are cleansed and made whole, that we've been declared the righteousness of God. And so, Lord, we thank you for the full working of your Holy Spirit, the activity ministry. Lord, to the tools uh, unleashed so that we can build one another up. We thank you, Lord, for this word of scripture from the Apostle Paul, encouraging us to pursue love and spiritual gifts and even that of prophecy. Lord, those who are, are watching and listening right now, pour out your spirit upon them. Fill them afresh with your fire. Empower them to witness of your good name, your good plan and purpose. Lord, we thank you for the gift of prophecy that aligns us with your heart and turns us in worshipful obedience before you. Guide us this day. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless.